Today we're looking at physical health. Physical health. Last time was spiritual health. Next time is? Yeah, you'll have a lot of friends next time because yeah, I'm sure you can think of a lot of friends. Who are mental health, yeah, buddy, it's you. You come. Pastor's going to be talking about you. Today we're talking about physical. And unfortunately, whenever we talk about physical health, I open my phone, check the SMS, it says, Vajan ghatai hai. I'm like, really? How did you know? And they, it's, it's oh, hmm. so whenever we think of physical that, we often think of shape, shape. And we think of, you know, weight. And we, that's there. That's for sure there. So that's not new. So I don't want to touch that. This morning, we're going to talk about stress. Stress. Stress is not a name of a relative. <laughs> Stress is a reality that all of us are living with. Stress is what I want to talk about this morning. Some of your salaries have within the allowances, recreation and holidays and vacation allowances because they want to build into the salary structure to pay for the de-stressing because they say, we will stress you out and here's some money. Go de-stress and come back so that yeah. And we spent a whole lot of money. We got a whole lot of money spent on de-stressing, on de-stressing, on the things we do to kind of release some of the stress out of our lives. And the Bible speaks to that. God cares for that. God cares for your family. So while this morning doesn't sound super spiritual and it doesn't sound like, you know, theology and all that, I'm telling you, your body, you have one. For 60, 70, 80 years, and God cares about you. So he's got a lot to say about it in the Bible. The Bible has a whole lot to say. Whenever your body feels threatened, whenever your body feels threatened, it is under stress. When it's threatened by something emotional or physical or spiritual, mental, whenever there's a mental threat or an emotional threat, your body convulses, your body reacts to it. And the body's reaction to something that is not wrong, something that's not right, something that is scary, something that it is not, it's not comfortable with, it's called stress. There are physiological reactions. Some get headaches, some get uh, irritable, some, some get toilet issues, some get crazy stuff happens. Some get fever, some just are downright rude. But we have stress responses. Your blood pressure goes up, your, your pulse quickens, your adrenaline shoots into the body, all kinds of physiological effects. And we know this. Now, there's nothing wrong with physiological effects if the body reacts to that. If you're standing in the middle of a road and a truck is coming in your direction and you freak out and your adrenaline pumps and you get this burst of energy to jump off the road and save yourself, that's good. That's good. That's good stress. But the problem we are talking about is called chronic stress. Chronic stress is when your body never shuts down. Your body never shuts down. It is just always on edge, always dealing with something. And you get, it's, there's a barrage of stuff, whether it's emotional or physical, it's the heat or the sweat or the, or the traffic or, or a relative or a family member or the bill. Every moment you're getting boom, 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 boom. So the body is constantly at stress. You can't sleep. You can't fall asleep. You can't wake up when you fall asleep. And your body is just not cooperating for the most part a lot of the time. The problem is chronic stress. And medical studies have proven that chronic stress is dangerous and devastating for you. It is dangerous and devastating for you. It is damaging to your brain. It is damaging to your heart. It's, it's chronic. It's chronic stress. So this week we're going to look at that. 
We're going to look at what God has to say about that. And while it seems so incredibly simple, it is profound. And it is because God loves you and he cares for your body. He cares for your body. So you ready for this? If you're a little down now this morning, if you're a little tired, a little stressed out, you picked a good week to come to church. So we're going to fly through this. And first, first I want to talk about some of the reasons before we tell you the seven antidotes through the Psalm 23. We're going to tell you the seven antidotes, and that's in your notes. But first, let me tell you seven reasons why we get stressed out. Number one, the number one reason for stress is worry. The number one reason for stress is worry. You'll often find that the reasons for stress are also what God said, don't do that. Like he said, don't. Number one reason is worry. Why are we worried? What is the reason for worry? Because there's a lot more things to worry about today than we had 20 years ago. Today we worry about losing our cell phone. 20 years ago we didn't worry about losing our cell phone. Today we worry about whether a mail came that I did not respond to. Whether somebody is able to get through to me. When somebody is not able to get through to me, I'm on my phone, there's no connectivity. No, I'm in the basement in Transvaal Radio and I can't have it. There's no connectivity. Don't you dare look at your phones right now. And you stress out because somebody, because why? When I was in Bible college, I went when I was 20 years old, I wrote a letter to my dear mother. I, the letter took two weeks to get to because some fellow walked right across the transatlantic. And then the letter got there, she prayed about it for one week and then she wrote back. By the time she finished the letter, posted it two weeks later. Five weeks later, the letter comes back. It's now redundant. Everything I just asked, even how are you, is now redundant because it's five weeks later. So you write five weeks, six weeks apart. Some of those years took two months, three months apart. You know, some of the early years. Today, I text you, and if you don't get, to, get back to me in the next five minutes, I'm stressing. I'm stressing. What happened? Did I say something? Why didn't, she get, why didn't you text me back? Why didn't you text me back? Then we lie. Oh, there was no connectivity. <laughs> identity theft. Nobody worried about identity theft. Nobody worried about identity theft. Today, we worried about identity theft crazy. Number two is hurry. Number two is hurry. Hurry comes from an increased pace in your life. Everything is going faster and faster and faster. Everybody is picking up speed. Everything needs to be done quicker. We, uh, even to book an airline ticket or book a train ticket, if the thing is not moving fast enough, if the banking is not moving fast enough, we get stressed. That creates stress. Speed creates stress. Obviously, when you're walking through a town or when you're speeding through a town, there's a big difference. It's a big difference. The third reason, third reason for stress is crowds. My goodness, crowds will stress you out. And even those of us living in Delhi, I've lived 46 years in Delhi and I still get stressed with crowds. I've in fact never lived anywhere else except for the three years we were in Bible college where I lived where there was nobody, nobody in the whole town. I could have shot myself and nobody would have come to pick me up. There was, and but Delhi, there's crowds everywhere. Early in the morning, late at night, three in the morning, there are cars everywhere. There's, there's crowds. And in the 1800s, London was the only city on the planet with over a million people. Today, there are 500 cities with multiples of millions. Mumbai at 32. Mexico at 38. Millions everywhere. And crowds stress you out. And Indians... We have been designed and redesigned and reprogrammed to, to address the crowd issue. So whenever a light comes on or a counter opens or something, we all run because 
maybe I'll have to stand in the plane. <laughs> it's a plane. The seats are assigned. Even the air hostess has a seat. You don't need to push. But we push because we have a fear that we're going to lose something. I was in an African country not too long ago and I, and I, and I, and I when, when uh, they say, I, I, we got off the plane and I was rushing because when you get into line, you know the immigration in Delhi, the line just closes and the whole thing gets full. So, Indian. And I'm thinking crowds. So I got off the plane and I ran for the immigration. And the cop is like, chill. It was only me and him. And he's like, where are you going? The country is not going to go anywhere. Just chill. It's right. But it's there. It's, it's, it's built into the system. The fourth is multiple choices. Why do you have to have so many choices? It is stressful. Today you go to Big Bazaar and it is stressful. You got toothpaste with charcoal and you got toothpaste with silvery things. Do you want your teeth white or do you want it black or do you want it anywhere in between? Every option is available. Toothpaste. Chai. What is wrong with chai? We are Indians, we drink chai. Can I have a cup of chai? He's confused by that statement. What is wrong with it? 20 years ago, it was a simple statement. Can I have some chai? No, sir. This is chaios. And the whole menu is chai. And I say, can I have some chai? Which one do we want? And then he's all the spices, all the, put some dirt also. Everything goes on with that chai. TV? TV? How many channels you got now? Yeah? How many channels you got now? You keep change, 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 change. One hour later, two hours change. And then what do you say? There is nothing to watch on TV. What about the Doordarshan days? There was no remote. And we send our little brother to change the channel. <laughs> when, when you got Metro, you remember that? Javi, change the channel. <laughs> Amlog is coming on now. We, there, was no, there was nothing. And we were happy. We would watch, you know, Kisan, whatever, and we'd be happy. Krishi Darshan. Chitrahar. Loss of privacy. Loss of privacy. There's no privacy left. They have all your information, and this worries you. How do they know everything? How, do they, how are forms already getting filled up on their own? How do you know they've already... They, 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 you, you give your phone number in one place, and the next moment people are texting you love messages from all over the place. There is a loss of anything. I go, I'm, I'm surfing, you know, some, some uh, you know, website and on the bottom all urban ladder stuff is showing up. Why? Because at some point they, they caught up that I, I'm like, how did you know? How did you know that I was looking at urban ladder furniture? Pluralism. Pluralism. We live with people who different, differ with us in our, in our faith, differ with us in our opinion. Today, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has got a strong opinion. So you don't want to, you want to be tolerant. You don't want to, you know, step on anybody's shoes, anybody's toes. So everybody's being politically correct. That is stressful. 30 years ago, we all believed the same stuff. We all smelt the same stuff. We all looked at the same. Today, everybody has got their own little religion happening, own little, and it's pluralism. And lastly... Is the fear of the future. These are the causes of stress, seven causes of stress. There could be more. And the last one is the fear of the future. The what ifs. What if? What if this happens? What if that doesn't work out? What if this? What if she? What if he? We'll come back to that. The what ifs. So we're going to look at all of this and find some beautiful antidotes, not antidotes, antidotes in Psalm 23. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. 
The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. He makes me lie down in lush green meadows. He leads me besides quiet waters, calm, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, that's goodness and love, will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Probably one of the most beloved psalms. Beloved psalms. Unfortunately, we read it mostly at... At burials, at... uh, when the guy is already dead and gone, now you're reading the psalm to him. How many of you want to live a healthier life, want to be healthy? The Bible says, Proverbs 14, 30, it says, Peace of mind makes the body healthy. Peace of mind makes the body healthy. It's not always what you eat that makes you unhealthy. It's what eats you. It's not always what you eat that makes you unhealthy. It's what eats you. You want to live longer? The Bible says a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Believe it or not, the Bible is actually instructive on how you can enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. So I said the first cause of stress is worry. You worry because you think, will I have what I need when I need it? Will I have what I need when I need it? And anytime you expect, listen very carefully, because you miss this, you miss the foundation. Anytime you expect people to meet your needs instead of God, I repeat, when you expect people to meet your needs instead of God, you are headed for, you are destined for frustration. You are going to get frustrated. Anytime you expect people to need, meet your needs instead of God, So the first antidote to stress is, look to God to meet all my needs. Look to God to meet all my needs. This single change, if you make in your life, this single adjustment, this modification, you stop looking to people to meet your needs and start looking at at God. Stop looking at your husband, your wife to meet your needs. Your stress will go dramatically down. I'll explain why. Stop putting your security in things that you can lose. I'm really sorry to say, but you can lose your husband. You can lose your wife. You can lose your money. You can lose your reputation. You can lose your job. You can lose your health. These are things that are blessings. Amen? But they were never meant to be the foundation of what you stress your life on, what you base your life on. When you move to depend on them when your joy comes from that when your source of strength comes from that and you have moved it to that you are in for trouble you are in for trouble so stop putting your security and as a pastor and as your friend I urge you never put your security in something that you can lose put your security in something or someone you cannot lose and that boils it pretty much down to the Lord Jesus Christ, the promises of God, the word of God. That's really all you've got going. This boiling down to one person 
your whole life is dependent on this one person. You make every part of your life, your finances, your profession, your relationships, your future, your past, your issues, your, your, your uncertainties, everything you boil and dump it on one person. Sounds a little pressuristic, right? Sounds a little overwhelming for one person. Who could possibly? Well, Jesus can. And I'll explain that later. But Jesus can. When you're doing it with Jesus, it's okay. When you're doing it with people, it's stressful both for you and for them. And they will let you down. They will let you down. But you cannot lose your relationship with Christ. So when you base everything, and then you say to people, you say about some people, you know, the ones who get crazy on Facebook and all, oh, Jesus and me, and me and Jesus. Oh, I turn to Jesus. Oh, I just, I just depend. They are not silly. They are not super spiritual. They are simple. They're just simple. They have simplified their life. So their overall dependence is only on one person. And since that person never lets them down, they are easy on everybody else. They are easy on everybody else. It's a blessing to everybody else when you walk with Jesus. Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. Or some of the older versions, I shall not want. I shall not be found or wanting. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, since God did not spare even his own son for us, but gave him up for us all, won't he also surely give us everything? If God can give Jesus to die on the cross, can he not give you your daily requirement? To say that he can give Jesus to die on the cross, but not give a daily requirement is quite unfair on him. So what he's saying here essentially is your first step to stress reduction is worship. It's worship. I refocus on God. I refocus. I stop focusing on expecting people to meet my needs. I focus on God. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15 says, The sovereign Lord says, Only in returning to me and waiting for me will I be saved. Only in returning for me to me and waiting for me will I be saved. Note this. Note this. In quiet and confident strength. In quiet and confident strength. In quietness and in confidence is your strength. Excuse me. Let's do that again. In quietness and confidence is your strength. You note that? Do you see that? It doesn't say in anxiety and fear is your strength. It doesn't say in hard work and planning. It doesn't say in self-motivation and positive uh, mental attitude. It says in quietness and confidence is your strength. The Lord is my shepherd. In him I have all I need. Until you have tested and seen that the Lord is good. Until you have tested that Jesus is, is better than you in your career. Better than you in your finances. Better than you in your leadership. Better than you in your health. In your walk. In your, in your planning. Once you figure out that Jesus actually is CEO of the universe. And he knows this stuff. And he's just not the cross guy. He's just not the one in heaven. He's just not the one sitting and taking all the worship. He actually knows this stuff. You will get hooked on to him and you will depend very little bit on people. And then you will be let down less often and you will be easier on people. You'll be easier on people. Number two, as we move to verse two, I need to obey God's instruction about rest. I need to obey God's instruction about rest. So much of the stress in your life comes from always being in a hurry. Always working too much. Always feeling like you've got too much to do. You're never caught up with your work. So when you say you're going to take a day off, usually what you mean is you're going to catch up. And that's not Sabbath. That's not what God planned for rest. That's not rest. That's not rest. Because God wants you to learn the importance of rest. He modeled it. He said six days he worked. 
in the creative work of, of uh, in the work of creation, the creative work of the, the universe. And then on the seventh day, he rested. He stopped from his creative work, creation work, and he rested. Why did God rest? He was modeling the importance of rest. The Bible is filled with instruction about rest, about recreation, about relaxation. Come away with me. Come away. Daily, Christ came apart with God. It is so important that God put it in the Big Ten. The Ten Commandments. You know the one with the murder. And the adultery. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't miss your day off. He's put it there. That's how serious he's committed to your health. It's not just a health issue, it's an overall health issue, it's an overall health issue, all seven, it is an overall health issue. But the idea of work, 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 stop, work, 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 stop. That stopping is to remember that you are not a workhorse. You are not called to be a workhorse, you were called to be a worshipper. You are made to worship, not to work. You work because God is a worker. You work because you're creative, but you are made to be a worshiper. So you stop to remember that. You stop to check your pulse. You stop to get in tune with God. It's in the big 10, so you don't want to miss it. So he says in verse 2, he says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He makes me to lie down. Circle makes me. <laughs> he makes me. You remember in second standard how... Uh, our class teacher is saying, okay, everybody, all the children, put your heads down on the table now. Remember that? Jabardasti. You have to sleep, so we'll all put our heads down, our eyes will be open like that. And my friend, and he's looking the same, I'm not looking, and we're still talking. Are you talking? Sleep! You have to rest. Or you come to the red light in Delhi, relax! In red. Relax. It's crazy. It's a command. You must relax. He makes you to lie down in green paths. Of course, in 12th standard, they didn't ask us to sleep. I don't know. Why. I did anyway. <laughs> because I believe this. He makes me to lie. Because sheep aren't smart enough to do that on their own. So he takes them to a place where they, Javardasti, lie down and rest. Because you need it. And God is going to, when, when, when Jesus rested, the, spirit, the angels ministered to him. When Joshua rested, when, when, when uh, who were the others? When uh, Elijah rested. They, there's a ministering to you in your sleep. The, the angels are ministering to you in your sleep. You wake up and oh, I was got on good sleep. Yeah, that was good sleep. That was good. <laughs> yeah, God gives, God gives good sleep. God gives good sleep. If you didn't get good sleep, you need to check on whether... Stuff is, I mean, don't, don't take, don't oh, oh, superimpose this on absolutely everything all the time. Get real. However, principles are principles. Getting enough sleep is essential to stress management. It is essential to stress. Getting enough sleep. How much sleep does your body need? Some are five-hour sleepers. Some are nine-hour and ten-hour sleepers. There are no 24-hour sleepers. So quit that. But you need to know how much your body needs. And when you have a day off, use some of it to sleep. Why? Because your body is doing something when it sleeps. It is recharging. It is refreshing. 
new cells are being being uh, rebuilt sickness is being healed you are allowing god to and while you do that while you rest and rest doesn't mean sleeping it it means just your body has come to a standstill in terms of its work and your spirit is engaged with god your spirit is engaged with god so what do you do what do you do on your day off Exodus 34 says six days are set aside for work but every seventh day you must rest completely circle completely rest completely god is serious about this what do i do on my day off number 1 rest my body rest my body stop it from you know excruciating work or, or physical uh, stress number 2 refocus my spirit refocus my spirit so when your body lies down it gives your spirit a chance to get tuned to god because your spirit takes a shutdown because the body the bus is moving you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying when the bus is moving you know nobody talks to the driver let him drive but when the bus is stopped then you say well, yeah are you coming or going refocus my spirit i rest my body on the sabbath and refocus my spirit that's called worship that's called worship learn to be a worshipper learn to take the scriptures and recharge yourself with it number 3 recharge my emotions recharge my emotions use the sabbath to recharge your emotions it's so important because you are so emotionally strung out strung out do you know what another word for stress is you see those guitar strings those guitar strings are stressed they're not just stretched they're stressed but you stress it at the right point at just the right thing they sound good little more talk to any of us musicians and they snap so stress is good too much stress is bad so you need to recharge this when you're constantly stressed emotionally stressed uh, mentally stressed psychologically stressed physically stressed you need to recharge you 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 get you get crazy you get mad at teenagers teenagers are on the on the phone all the time or they are on their stupid uh, stupid video games all the time they are all the time on the video games all the time uh huh okay let's work on that a little bit when they are on the video game or they are on the t- television and they are watching they are not watching they are not actually watching that video game is so stupid and you were right that they are able to do it without even thinking about it and what they're doing is with all that you know just thing it's it's matching the what's going on in their head and they're basically shutting down the brain is shutting down in order to just de-stress it's a coping mechanism that this generation uses so when you say you you know we get really upset with them they're on but they are de-stressing because the kind of stress that our kids are going through today in schools we had it bad yes we all always our generation was always the worst according to every generation but the what they are dealing with today the amount of knowledge the stress about the the outcomes the more number of people you know, vying for the same seats and then you've got the heat and the 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 the, the uh, just the claustrophobia in the in the class the children are yelling 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 especially in some christian schools i know one particularly and the kids are just yelling and 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 you listening to that the whole day and that's when it's normal when the bell rings it goes even crazier you think that doesn't get to you the kid comes back from school and the first thing he or she gets is a yelling from the parents how's that for fun and then you wonder why the kid is not loving why the kid is not responding well to your parenting he goes straight to the stupid video games he's distressing she's distressing 
Sometimes it's not video games, sometimes it's other things, but whatever it is, my point is, our generation is, we have to do that. We have created and developed things for ourselves to do so because it's so strung out. And what we need is a body shutdown, what we need is a mind shutdown. We need those things. And the reason we do those things is because God has designed for us to have cycles and seasons. And if you don't take time, the body will make time. The body will make time. It will say, brother, you go. We are lying down. <laughs> Three days, you feel this fever, you feel the stress, you feel this, this, this pain. This, this, we just made it up. We just made it up because we're done. This is one body. You think you're living ten lives, we are only living one life. So the body says, you go. We are lying down. And your body is lying there. And your spirit is running, it's running, your mind is running. You're planning the whole next six months. While in your, in your sickness, you're planning the next six months. You're reviewing the last six months. Yeah, I got to do this. I gotta, when I get better. When I get better. When I get better. We are strung out. And my friends, my brothers, my sisters, recharge your emotions. Because when your emotions are run dry, when a disaster happens in your life, when people need your love, you have nothing to give. You have nothing to give. I look to God to meet all my needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I obey God's instruction about what he makes me to lie down in pastures. Number three, recharge my soul with beauty. Man was made to live in a garden. Man was made to live in a garden, not in a skyscraper, not in a concrete jungle. You walk, 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 concrete, 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 concrete. It's just nonstop, one tree in the middle of nowhere. Delhi is still better, you know. We are called the green city and all that. But only problems, we can only see the green from the sky down but we were made for green we were made for nature man was designed to live in a garden so and even when i talk about it when i say you know masuri or kasoli or when i say you know some of the beautiful the mountains log cabin tip it up of rain or mist and that cloud that's floating beneath you already you begin to relax just the, the those luscious, beautiful mountains or the foothills of the Himalayas. You just begin to relax. The sound of just the crickets or the, or the birds and this absolute pin drop silence. And in the nights, total silence. And you feel that cool air, nobody around for miles. So calming. Even just thinking about it, you're resting. Some of you are going to sleep also. <laughs> but if I say 5.30, ring road. It's just everybody gets that. We just get it because we were made for beauty. We need beauty around us. And we live in a country, in a city that doesn't have too much to offer. Some of us have to travel seven hours to get some beauty. But at least the tree has green. Stare at green. Green apparently is really good for you to stare at green. Ask your family to wear green and just look at them. I, I, I don't know. Just look out the window. Instead of staying and, and, and facing a wall, face a window. I'm talking practical here. Look out. Two things. Look at green and look at distance. In Delhi, that's the, all I can offer you. Look at green and look at distance. So if you have to go to your terrace to look far, some of you living in Gurgaon, at least you got a hope. Or us guys, we only, the next house is uglier than the first. It's just horrific. And in summer, it's just terrible. And with electricity going, oh gosh. But anyway, that's stressful. God has created us for us. So get outside every day. Get outside every day. Number two, start the day with God. Some suggestions of how to recharge my soul with beauty. Start 
the day with God. Don't start with Arnav Goswami. <laughs> Don't start with television. Don't start with the Facebook posts. Don't look at the up updates and the notifications. Don't start there. Go, go there later, but don't start there. It will mess you up. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, in lush green meadows, and he leads me beside calm waters. What does calm waters do for sheep? They calm the sheep down. Rushing waters freak sheep out. They freak sheep out. But calm waters calm. So my shepherd leads me through calm Water. So God is going to, in, he's going to keep telling you every now and then, come away with me, come away with me. Follow that. Number two, intention, number three, intentionally put beauty around you. Put beautiful photographs, put beautiful uh, paintings, put something to look good. Some of our houses look very depressing, very depressing. Beautify your place a little bit. No, it's not going to be, oh, what do these people think they're so rich or what? No, don't worry about that. Make some, put some plants, do something to make it look beautiful. Create around you a, an, a, 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 an environment, a climate where you think. Music and art are something that God has given to us to refresh us and to renew us. And when we have music and art, it just feeds us, doesn't it? It lifts us out of whatever we're going through. Some of your weirdest times, some of your painful times are connected with some song. Hey, I don't want to listen to that song yet. It brings back memories. <laughs> You know, so, so all of Air Supply songs are all bad. You know, it's, it's, everyone's got a different memory. <laughs> Music and art are proof that evolution does not exist, is, not, is wrong. You know that? Because they are completely unnecessary to survival. Music and art are completely unnecessary to survival. So if survival of the fittest was the way evolution happened, then why do we have music and art? Why stopping? Why meditating? Why contemplating? Why getting in touch with ourselves? Which monkey does that? God created us for worship and not for... Okay, come back, come back, come back, come back. Are we together? Okay, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. You'll do best by filling your mind and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, and compelling and gracious. Compelling and gracious. Number four, go to God for guidance. Go to God for guidance. Number four, go to God for guidance. Because we have a lot of people guiding us, a lot of information guiding us, but everybody gives us multiple choices. Everybody gives us multiple options. None of them are absolutely sure. And, and they are not necessarily the truth. But God, when you go to God, He knows... He tells you, he gives you one thing, he gives it to you on time, and he tells you the truth. God doesn't give you a list of options. He gives you instruction, and he gives you wisdom. James says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives all men liberally, and doesn't condemn them and criticize them. Wow! That's God. That's God working for you. This is an affirmation. God will guide me at the right time. Don't stress because you don't know what you're going to do at that time. Yes, you may be living in the 21st century and you want all your answers and you want to be prepared and you want to, you don't want to be prepared for any, you know, whatever, contingency. But God will guide you. At, it's an affirmation. It's a promise. God will guide you at the right time. Psalm 23 verse 3. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. You're following him for crying out loud. He doesn't want to look bad. He doesn't want to look bad. He's not going to make you look bad. You're telling everybody that you're following him. He's going to keep his 
word. He's going to keep his honor for his name's sake. He will guide you. Number five, he trusts God. I think I'm missing one. Never mind. No, number four, go to God for guidance. Number five, trust God in the dark valleys. Trust God in the dark valleys. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me and your rod and staff, they comfort me. Trust God in the dark valleys. Listen very carefully. This might hurt. We all go through dark valleys. We all go through valleys. Some valleys are of loss, some of money, some health, some reputations, some loved ones. It's all losses. Valleys are losses. Loss experiences. Lonely experiences. And there are two common reactions when you go through a valley experience. Two common reactions. One is grief and another one is fear. One is grief and the other one is fear. Two common reactions. Grief is good. Grief is good. Fear is bad. Grief is good. Fear is bad. In fact, if you don't grieve, you're going to get stuck. Emotionally, when something happens in your life and you don't grieve it, it's a process that God has given to you. It's a process that you deal with transition, deal with loss, that God has built into your system. It is a resetting button. It is a refresh button. It is a reboot button that God has built into your system. If you don't do it, if you're too busy, if you're too proud, if you just want to take... Okay, take your eyes off, take your attention off the hurt, the pain. You don't want to think about it. Move on. Get in. You get emotionally stuck. Emotionally, you become retarded. You stop there. Emotionally, you stop growing. Your mind has gone ahead. Your body has gone ahead. Emotionally, you're, stopped. you're stuck there. Some of you are stuck at 7. Some of you are stuck at 9. Some of you are stuck at 14. Some of you are stuck at 21. Some of you are stuck at 55. If you don't grieve, you'll get stuck. When you stuff it down, if you get stuck at that stage emotionally, it just sticks. And maybe you need to go back and grieve about some things and get unstuck. Get unstuck. But stop pushing the pain down. Just grieve it. Let it out. It's not going to kill you. It's God's way of letting you move on, letting you grow up. It's how you go through the transitions of your life. Grieving is good. Grieving is good. The Bible says it's better to mourn with, because it's a grieving life process. There's a time for laughter and there's a time for mourning. Why? Because mourning is good. Crying is good. Hand out the tissues. Let's cry. Okay, right now we're crying. That's what we're doing as a community, as a family. And grieve it out. Let it out. Don't act all tough and I can get through this, I don't care, suddenly we go into the I don't care, it doesn't touch me, it doesn't bother me kind of thing, no it does, it so does and every relationship in your future of your life is going to feel it because you didn't get unstuck, grieving is good, do the grieving, God grieves, God grieves, it's a godly emotion, it's a godly emotion but fear is bad, fear is bad, not once in the Bible does it say grieve not, sorrow not Weep not, cry not. Not once. It doesn't say don't cry. It doesn't say don't weep. It doesn't say don't grieve. It says don't fear. Not once, not twice, 365 times. One for every day of the week. Why? Because grief doesn't paralyze. Fear paralyzes you. Grief doesn't paralyze you. Fear 
paralyzes you. It stops you dead in your track and you are absolutely crippled when fear takes over. So he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. Some of you are going through the valley of the shadow right now. Maybe the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe the valley of the shadow of debt. Maybe the valley of the shadow of conflict or depression or discouragement. But you're going through a valley of the shadow. Shadow. Shadows are scary. Remember when you sleep on your bed as a child? And through the window or whatever, suddenly a big shadow will come. Or from outside the door, there will be a shadow of a person. And we used to get scared. Shadows are scary. But shadows can't hurt you. Shadows can come over you. Shadow can come over you, but it can't hurt you. Like a truck runs over you, that'll hurt. But when a shadow comes over you, shadows don't hurt you. They scare you, but they don't hurt you. Now, another thing about shadows is shadows are always bigger than the actual object. Shadows are bigger than the actual object. The third thing is where there's a shadow, there's a light. So stop looking at the shadow. Focus on the light. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light. So the object is only between you and Jesus. And the object is casting a shadow, but Jesus is the one with the right perspective. So you go through the valley of the shadow of death. You fear no evil. That's how you lower your stress levels. You don't focus on the shadow. You focus on the light. Psalm 142 verse 3. When I am ready to give up, he knows what I should do. Wow, I love that verse. When I am ready to give up, he knows what I should do. I want you to write this down, please. I don't have to know the answers when I know God. I don't have to know the answers when I know God. I don't have to know the answers when I know God. Remember how some people say, I don't know, but I know somebody who knows. Psalm 23. Let's move to the next one. David uh, David says, God is my defender. God is my defender. Number six, let God be my defender. Another stress option, I'm moving fast now. Another stress option is opposition, criticism, attacks. Every one of you has people who don't like you. Don't, let, don't raise your hands. Every one of you has people who don't like you. There are people who, who speak bad about you. They rumors about you in the office. They, they, can't, they, they criticize your work everywhere. Maybe it's in your family, out of jealousy, out of fear. I don't know. But every one of us have people who criticize, say things against us. They're downright rude to us. They say stuff online. It's crazy. It's crazy. And you say, I have to stand up for myself. I'm going to show it to them. I'm going to get back at them. No, no. Let God be your defender. You want to live free of stress? Let God do the fighting. You do the worshipping? Let him do the fighting. If you do the fighting, he's not going to worship you. And the world is getting more and more rude. People are going to be in your face. Now they can hide behind a screen and spew out any rubbish about you online and people will like it and lump it and you will not be able to do a thing about it and you're raging for what every other comment on Facebook says and you're stressed. 
people can be so rude now because they have that protection. All they're doing is revealing the smallness of their heart. Little people be little people. Little people be little people. Great people make people feel great. So how do you handle rude people? How do you handle mean people? You don't. You don't. Let them be. Let them be. Let God defend you. So he says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. A, a table. A celebration. In the presence of my enemies. And you anoint my head with oil. Authority. And my cup overflows. Blessing. So I'm just going to trust you and I'm going to let you be my defender. David says to God. He says in chapter 18, Oh, how I love you, Lord. You are my defender, my protector, and my strong fortress. In you I am safe. You protect me like a shield. You know where he was when he said this? In a cave. He was under attack. And these guys were not shooting critical comments. They were shooting arrows. That pinch. They, this is real. Under real attack, he was able to put his trust in God. And you've got to get to that point where your faith is that good, that strong. It takes a lot of faith to rest when you're under attack. A lot of faith. And your critics land up blessing you because what happens is they do what they have to do and they show what they're like. When you don't defend yourself and get back and go to their level, you show what you are like. So basically they're highlighting what you're really like. Because if nobody ever attacked you, nobody would know what you're really like. Peter has a good way to say this in 1 Peter 4, 19. He says, so if you're suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. And trust yourself to the God who made you, for he will never fail you. Yes, some suffering is from God, because it is to refine your character. There's one common stress source, and that is the fear of the future. Let's finish with this, the fear of the future. Expecting God to finish what he starts in me. Number seven, expecting God to finish what he starts in me. Has God started a work in you? He is. Will he finish it? Yes, he will. So what is the all what ifs about? What are the what ifs about? What if this happened? What if that happened? What if he doesn't say? What if he just, she doesn't come through? What is the what ifs about? What are you sure about? What are you expecting? David expecting this. He says, surely, surely. Surely, surely goodness and mercy will, will, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of, of my life. Here's a guy who's getting attacked and beaten up. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. He's expecting surely goodness and, uh, he's expecting, uh, goodness and mercy to follow him, goodness and love to follow him. What are you expecting? Disaster? What are you expecting? Letdowns? Where are the what ifs coming from? If your expectations are in God. We all are stressed out with the what ifs. And we got to remember that Jesus has promised that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You can live a stress-free life because Jesus has taken care of what's in front of you and what's coming behind you. Jesus has come to me. All who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus has come to he doesn't say come to the class. He doesn't say come to the church. He doesn't say come to the clinic. He says come to me. All you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. And I will give you advice. 
I will give you a ring binder with a six-month course on how to be de-stressed. I will give you exercise routines. He says, I will give you rest. Rest doesn't come from activity. It comes from a person. Rest doesn't come from activity. It comes from a person. Jesus gives rest. He's the only human being come God. He's the only person in the universe who makes an audacious promise like this and keeps it with those who actually come to him. He says, come unto me if you're carrying a heavy load and I will give you rest. Rest from what? Rest from the load that you're carrying. How is he going to do that? He says, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you know what that whole thing means? Yoke is that, that thing where they put on two cows or bulls and the yoke is to take direction and speed together. Direction and speed together. So the two cows maintain the direction and speed together. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Jesus has no problems. He's God. Jesus has no issues. He has no what-ifs. He has no buts. Jesus is in control of his life. He's in control of the universe. He is the Lord of the universe. One day everybody's going to know that. I'm telling you in advance. But he is. Okay? So he is saying... You take my yoke, I have no problems. And you give me your yoke, you have a lot of problems. And I will lighten your yoke and you will enjoy my. So we both move at the same speed and direction. We move at the same speed and direction. I love it the way Jesus says that. He says, take up your cross. But he says, take my. Thank God he didn't say take my cross. No? He says, take up your cross. And he says, take up my yoke this is going to reduce your stress this is going to make it easier for you to navigate as you walk through life knowing that there is one person who is completely dependable there's one person who calls you into his presence there's one person who feeds you with rest and wisdom and understanding at the right time there's one person who goes ahead of you one person who comes with love and mercy behind you you are covered under his wonderful wings There is good reason why you can go through life without stress. 